everybody. I'm Kay Helm, and this is the Your Voice Podcast. Find your voice, tell your story, change the world. Each week, I interview someone about the way in which they live or tell their story, and I hope you find each episode not only inspiring, but also helpful in a practical way. This week, my guest is Ronnie Rock. Ronnie's a writer, blogger, and speaker, a former marketing and communications executive who shares her experience in creative leadership with faith-based organizations around the world. She tells stories that change stories. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Hi there. It's so good to be here. Uh, You have your hands in a lot of things. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Oh, gosh. Let's see. Uh, Vocationally, I am the lead feature writer, and I am a director of social media for an organization called Orphan Outreach. We work in seven countries, getting ready to be eight around the world, focusing primarily on providing physical, spiritual, emotional, and educational care, wraparound care for orphans and vulnerable children. And so with that, I have an incredible opportunity to be able to tell those stories that change stories and stories of the kids themselves, stories of the leaders and caregivers that are working tirelessly to make sure that those children are cared for and and stories of the families. I think a lot of folks, when they think about orphan care, they think about a child who might be in a children's home and have no access to uh, a family when the great percentage of kids who are classified orphans by United Nations standards actually have family somewhere but that family is not able to provide the appropriate care for that child for a number of reasons. So they're actually considered social orphans. And so we work with a lot of those kids that may be, um, they may live with one parent, they may live with a good Samaritan, or they may live with an aunt or a grandparent, or um, sometimes they're living with the, the, the teachers or the directors of a school system themselves. So um, work with a lot of kids dealing with a lot of things, but those children have the stories to tell that remind us about incredible themes of hope and grace and what happens when we actually wrap ourselves around someone. And when we redefine the word family, when we realize that family does not mean a nuclear mom, it's a nuclear family of mom and dad and kids, but we are called to be family to kids of all ages and orphans of all ages. So that's what I get to do vocationally. I'm also a freelance writer, a stringer journalist. I do advocacy journalism for Mission Network News, and I do freelance writing for a number of other organizations. Um, And I'm a regular columnist for CARA, which is a digital magazine that focuses on stories to help 20-somethings find their true north. Oh, yes. and Orange, which is Reggie Joyner's organization, I wrote uh, write leadership articles for that organization as well. So I do have my hands in a lot of things, um, in addition to just being uh, a friend, wife, grandma, and um, big old mess of a human being. <laughs> well, and and um, I know I gave uh, your devotional uh, for you love. It's the title, mm-hmm. the name of it. I yes. gave that as Christmas presents this year. Yes, I appreciate. Um, I appreciate you investing in that. Um, my best friend, who is an illustrator, and I 
decided and actually prayed about it about a little over a year ago and um, felt this little nudge to publish some words that might encourage people. So earlier this year, we published For You Love, which is the prayer journal that invites you to respond. Mm -hmm. And then this Advent season, we wrote For You Love, the Advent Collection, which is a series of five themes focusing on um, the importance of expectation and what Mm. that means. So those two books are both available on Amazon or available on my website. And the proceeds from those books help to support individuals who want to serve orphans and vulnerable kids well. We already have funded a full scholarship for a woman out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, who is the founder of Grace's Table, which um, cares for teen moms. And she's going to Guatemala in February to work with other women in Guatemala who have similar ministries and caring for girls um, who had been rescued from sexual exploitation, trafficking, abuse, and neglect. I love that you're connecting caregivers. You know, it's, when you, when you, when Grace, when she comes and, and talks to the other caregivers and they can share ideas and share the burden, because really when you're in work like that, I don't think, you know, there's a small circle of people that understand where you're at and what you deal with. It's very easy to feel alone. It is when you are in the midst of ministry work. I think a lot of us feel alone and then sometimes we, um, possibly not intentionally, but it's easy for us to isolate thinking that very few people may understand our struggles or very few people may want to be bothered by our struggles. Um, or that if we can, if we actually tell somebody that we are struggling, mm-hmm. that we might lose credibility or we might lose their confidence in us as a minister. Right. So, um, some of the pain that we have is self-inflicted. This so is true. I'm, I'm thankful that uh, Lisa, who's the founder, said, "I want to meet other women. I need to talk to other leaders." And then we have women in Guatemala that said, I can't wait to talk to someone who knows and understands what I'm going through. Yes, yes. So that those stories are going to be coming in February. I can't wait to share those with people of what transpires when these women get together. Wonderful. You are a prolific writer. And so I want to ask you, has writing always been easy for you or have you ever struggled with it? You know, writing is, I adore writing I, because I... Um, And it's not the writing itself. It's very interesting when folks say, Ronnie is a writer. And I go, oh, wait, because I can't write about just anything. And I've learned that um, because there are certain things that just drain me Mm. to write. And then there are things that give me energy. Um, I have learned that I, um, one of the creative expressions I have, I love story and I love the power of story. So one of the creative expressions of that Mm -hmm. is writing. And so I'm very thankful. But writing is fairly new to my 58-year-old history. Um, I had been in marketing for years, and I used to laugh that there was nothing I could write that would be beyond 30 seconds for a TV commercial or would be beyond a really great quippy caption to try to get you to buy um, buy a DVD or to Um, purchase one more garment of clothing to make your ensemble look perfect. So that was, that was the limit that I thought that I had on writing. Mm -hmm. But there were some things that I did. I started blogging first 
more as a diary to capture as I moved in from the corporate world into the nonprofit world. I wanted to capture some of the memories of international trips that I went on. So my very first blog poster, they read like diaries. We got up, we ate breakfast. Right. But in the midst of writing those things, I started realizing some themes that were coming out because I started seeing more than the physical actions of what were being done in a day to the underlying currents of pain and hope and grace. And so started writing again as a blogger, started writing in earnest, though, only about probably about four or five years ago and did that um, after sitting down with myself to ask myself some important questions, not about what it was that I would do. I think Mm -hmm. all of us want to find our calling and we associate calling with the doing, right? right? I am called to be a preacher. I am called to be a leader. I am called to be these things and calling that minimizes the scope of calling. Calling is, it is truly a, um, I feel like it's, it's like a, the cloak of royalty that God puts on you and says, you know, I, I have bigger, I have bigger plans for you that are not narrowed down to a particular vocation. So, um, I had vocationally done things very well, but was feeling this gap in there has to be more to what I'm doing or to who I am than what I'm doing. And I love Jesus. I I get all that. I study scripture. I love Jesus and coffee in the morning, but I need to ask myself some tough questions. And so I did. I came up with 15 questions that I ended up asking myself. I won't go through them all Uh on the podcast, but I will definitely make sure that your listeners get the list. Oh, great. Um, But those questions were everything from what are recurring dreams that I have had from a kid? And what did Mm -hmm. I want to be when I was a kid? I didn't want to be a writer when I was a kid. I wanted to be an archaeologist and adopt kids. And I wanted to be an archaeologist because I thought it was cool to dig stuff up and Um. learn about the story behind things. I wanted to adopt kids because I lived in a horrible household. And I didn't want to get married and have kids because I thought that having kids would be painful. But maybe if I could adopt a kid or two, maybe I could give them a better life than the one I had. So my thoughts as a little kid had nothing to do about my vocation and nothing to do with what I ended up being. But man, that little dream ended up playing. Mm -hmm. I got to see where that little dream had a lot of seeds in it. So it was everything from what did you dream as a kid? What did you want to be? Who are you around that gives you energy and what circumstances drain you? What circumstances are life giving to you? What are things that you, what are your gifts? Um, I, uh, I love assessments mm-hmm. and I took every assessment and I didn't take it with an eye toward the job that I did. I said, mm-hmm. you know, I'm finally not going to think about, well, as a marketing director of a major company, I have to think this way. It was like, no, I'm going to get straight with myself yeah. and answer. And it was great. I took a spiritual gift assessment. I did Myers-Briggs again. I did StrengthsFinder mm-hmm. again. Um, I did Kiersey, which is one that the Coca-Cola company had introduced me to when I managed their account for Blockbuster. So I had all of these assessments and I did them all. And then I looked at them on paper. So I had assessments. I had my dreams. I had 
um, the things I wanted to be as a kid, the people I loved to be around, the big goals that I, uh, you know, if I could change the world, I would in those questions. So I answered all those things. And in doing that, realized that I really, I'm not just a storyteller. I crave and desire the connection that comes through story and the power that comes through story. And Mm -hmm. however that played out, that was why when I was a marketer, it was easy for me to write copy because I was connecting you to an experience Mm -hmm. to get you to, to mold and move and shape your mind. It was why I wasn't great in sales, but I was great in marketing because sales says, I got to ask you for here, just give me your money. And I was like, I can't just give you why, but, but it was great because I went, Oh my gosh, this thing that I am and this thing that drives me is in it moves and shifts. My mm-hmm. vocation may change 10 times, but these things that drive me, this purpose that I am, this calling that I have from God will not shift. Right. And it'll be, and he'll use it effectively, whether I'm working for an accounting firm or I'm working for a nonprofit or I'm at home with my grandkids. Those tools, those gifts, those things that he has given me, I'm going to use. They're going to be there. So I did that. And it was in doing that that I really, truly set myself free, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, to really pursue um, this calling. And so that's why I'm writing. I have not, I didn't freelance before then. I, um, I never wrote a leadership article until then. None of those things happened until I sat down and asked myself some hard questions about, well, who, who in the world are you? And so, um, again, I'll share all the questions with folks so they can take the little assessment themselves. Yes, yes, that'll be a great um, resource. We will link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And so since that time, my, that, uh, the skill set of writing has increased. Mm-hmm. My voice, if you will. Right. Um, has gotten stronger. Um, and I'm still living life though. Right. Right. And in the midst of all that, I have taken some risks. I've tried to push into some other areas. I've tried Mm -hmm. to say, well, if, if I'm a storyteller, I can tell a story about anything only to find out that no, there are themes that are, that resonate with me. There Mm -hmm. are audiences that I can speak to. But like I said, I've, I've pushed, I've stumbled. I've done some things that have been wonderful. I've made some real stumbly mistakes and I am walking through right now just, uh, cause I think we all do. Even when we think we've got it all figured out, we have seasons where our confidence is shaken. Mm-hmm. Discouragement comes, things become mundane, which is one of the biggest issues that any of us have in when we're looking at purpose and calling mm-hmm. is that things become mundane. We're like, I feel like I'd keep doing the same thing over and over again. I feel like this year doesn't look that much different than last year. I've not done anything significant with this incredible gift and talent that God has given me. And so I've, I've walked through that. I am writing a book um, that at first I thought it was going to be a storybook about mm-hmm. some women that I had met around the world, women that are unlikely, um, heroes, if you will. They're not women that, 
are going to be a big platform women. They might be, they should be, Mm -hmm. but most of them I didn't read about in a periodical or um, I didn't see on a stage. I met them in a hut, but I have witnessed their incredible dauntless courage in restoring community and restoring lives around them. So I thought it was going to be this great book about all these women. And I had this great marketing idea. It's like, oh my gosh, I'll write this book about these women. And then I'll be able to generate revenue from that. And then I'm going to build a school in Jamaica. That's what I'm going to do because I'm a marketer and Uh I know how to do that. So I'm going to use my voice and my marketing skills and I'm going to do that. And in the midst of my big plan, Uh um, I realized that the women were changing me and changing my thoughts about leadership and changing a lot of the first world thoughts that I had about what defines success and what a woman had to do in order to be um, heard and things. And so the book has changed in scope. So it's taking longer to write now that the book is about grace filled leadership and the power of probably the most gritty, earthy hope that I have ever seen. I was telling someone that hope reminds me of the water that comes out of a garden hose when you've been outside on a hot summer day. And while it would be so much prettier for that hope to be in a glass with some ice and be very pristine and you would know exactly where the hope came from and all of that stuff, nothing is more refreshing on a hot summer day when you've been really working than to grab the garden hose turn that thing on and drink that water straight out of the hose. Cause it's, it's and it. It's like I said, it's not pristine hope, right. but it is meeting the need right where the pain is. Yeah. And so that's what these women have shown me and the principles that they've taught. I'm, I want to share with other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also gotten encouraged from encouragement from a lot of men that say, I want to read. Cause I don't think that, I don't think that maybe men have done, a great job in encouraging women to be fully women as they're leading, especially in first world culture. We work really hard to try to make women very gender neutral in their leadership. But I don't think that's what God wants. And the women that I've met around the world, they don't buy it and they're doing great things. That's why I'm working on that. It's hard and it's taken too long. And I have, made promises that I have broken time and time again. So I've, I've felt like I've lost my own credibility. And I feel like there are times that I look at the words on the page, and I go, I have nothing else to say. And I am such a, I, I feel like I'm a liar that I'm trying to tell people about leadership and hope when I can't even lead myself right now. And I think that we, I think we all get there yes. as well. And so I'm, I am learning through that of, even some important things that we need to do in those times of struggle. Mm-hmm. We in the creative world. And when I talk about us as creative, and we are, we are all, um, there was a pastor years and years ago that made this statement and it drove me crazy, but dadgummit, it's true <laughs> that we are creative creations created by a creative creator. No matter if our creativity is found in a spreadsheet or our creativity is found in a pulpit or our creativity is found in a boardroom or it's found through words or through imagery or through code, Mm -hmm. whatever 
we are creative. We really are creative people. And um, it's very easy for us to feel that we have in some way either bastardized that creativity at some point, or we have killed that creativity, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've used it in the wrong way. I've stretched it too far. I have used it all up. I have nothing left. I have no creativity left. Um, and so we isolate ourselves and say that we, we have failed in some way. And so in the midst of, or say, I'm just, I'm empty. I have nothing left to give. Um, and those are dangerous places for us to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the last thing we want to do at that point is to reach out for help. Uh, I think the enemy is really great at trying to tell us that asking for help is a symbol of weakness when it is actually the symbol of the most help. Jesus asked for help, right? He grabbed some fishermen. He grabbed a tax collector. He grabbed these guys and said, hey, I need you to tell my story. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to, I could do it on my own, but I'm not that dumb. I need you to help me. And yeah. so he loved it when Mary and Martha cooked a good meal. He invited people yeah. into the conversation and he let other voices speak in, not only t- as, as a part of his voice, but also speak into his life and into his voice. So that's what I'm learning right now and trying to get those words down in a succinct way. Yeah. But, um, I think it's very, very important for us to not be afraid to ask for help and help doesn't mean necessarily, hi, I don't know how to write anymore. Teach me how to write again. Or hi, I don't know how to do accounting anymore. Teach me how to be an accountant again. But it is oftentimes it's sitting down with other people and saying, will you remind me of who I am? Will you, will you, be so kind as to tell me what you see in me, mm-hmm. what themes you see. What do you think I do well? Um, I just did that. I sent out, I created a survey uh-huh. because again, I might be a, I might, you know, be a writer and all kinds of artsy, but I'm a nerd too. And I'm a strong, if you heard everybody's listening, who's in, assessment junkie. I'm an ENFP tending toward J. I am an strategy, ideation, connectedness, relator, achiever on strengths finder. And I'm a four wing three and Enneagram. So I am not just all sweetness and light. And I am not just, Hey, great adventure girl or Oh, whatever the, you know, wherever the wind blows, I am a deep brooding, pondering, introspective person. And I think a lot of us are, if we get really honest with ourselves and that's okay. We shouldn't beat ourselves up about that. So I created a little survey, sent it out. It had 10 questions on it that were everything from who, who is Ronnie? What do you think she does? Which Mm -hmm. was interesting. Some folks like, I have no idea what she does for a living. Uh I know what she does based upon what she writes about. So I think this might be what she does, but I don't even know for sure how she makes money. And then it was, here are some things that Ronnie, for me, it was writes about. And then here are things that she doesn't pick the things that you know that she actually writes about. So I could find out, do people even see what I do? Yeah. What are, and it was, what are the themes? What, 
what do you think she should do? What do you think she needs to let go of? What do you think she needs to do more of? What do you think you could learn from her? So those were the questions that I asked based upon the work that I do, because a lot of times it is vocationally or what people see on the outside. So I just did a little survey. I also rallied the support of folks whose voices I trusted. Yes. Folks that weren't just going to tell me what I wanted to hear. They weren't just going to tell me that my baby is always beautiful when I know that sometimes my babe smells really badly. <laughs> um, it was going to be somebody that would be folks that were going to ask some hard questions of me. Okay. And so I, I rallied those folks around and then I did a scary thing. I took some things that I had been working on that I didn't want anybody to see just yet because they weren't so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I released those to some people just to say, hi, I'm going to give this to you. And as I'm giving mm -hmm. it to you, I can already tell you that I want to change 15 things about it already. <laughs> yeah. But I'm giving it to you because I need your eyes to look at it instead of my eyes. So will your eyes look at it for just a little bit? Yeah, that's and good. We, so, um, and I think that's important. I think it's important for us in the midst of struggles of no matter what it is that we're doing, it's good for us to stop and take rest and breathe. It is important for us to Sabbath and Sabbath doesn't mean stopping down on Sunday. Sabbath means letting go in the midst of it, right? In in the Psalms, God says, you know, be still and know. And he is, he is it. And if you read the whole be still and know, if you read the full scope of that scripture, it's mm -hmm. like nations are raging and battle and it's bloodshed. And oh yeah, by the way, be still. So <laughs> it is not that God is, it's not bluebirds and you're sitting on your balcony. It is right now in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of everything that's going on in your life. I need you to stop striving. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing in the battle that can yeah. give you the strength that you need, that gives you the insight that you need if we just stop. You just have to because you get so frenzied, right? I got to yeah. be I, here. I got to do all this stuff. And then yeah. I'm battling inside. We're battle inside, right? We're dealing with everything on the outside. And then we're battling the enemies that we have on the inside that tell us that we're failing. We're not doing it as well. We um, are not going to ever be the ones considered for the promotion. We are not going to be the ones that are ever uh, going to be on the platform or the big stage. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be able to share these huge truths that we have been told. And then God's like, how do you know unless you, I need you to right now sit down and shut up. Because until you sit down and shut up, first of all, your eyes can't see properly because you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So sit down and shut up. And then I want you to see things from my perspective. So yeah. you can't do that if you're frenzied. And so that's what Sabbath is. It is just stopping, sitting down, shutting up, letting God go. Okay, now let me tell you. I'm going to let you see things just a second from a different perspective. I'm going to let you catch your breath. So again, Sabbathing is important. And not stopping in the midst of the Sabbathing, not just taking those gifts that you have or not just taking those things that you feel purposed to do with your life mm -hmm. and putting them on a shelf and saying, if I can't get them right, I'm not going to do them at all. Oh, no. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. Stumble through them. It's mm -hmm. all right to stumble through them. 
it is okay. And, um, but stumble through them, Sabbath, grab a tribe and it can, and it doesn't have to be a big old tribe of humans, a tiny one or two trusted voices in your life. Mm-hmm. One or two who are not afraid to tell you that you're okay or to remind you that you're beautiful when you feel that you're ugly. And then also to remind you that you, you might want to clean up just a little bit. Um, <laughs> if you need to, right? So, and then it's okay to rally people around you who are aware of what it is that you do mm-hmm. and ask them, invite them in. Cause most people don't feel like they're invited in to even tell you anything in the first place. Right. Right. This is true. I was talking with a, a writing coach the other day, um, a friend. And I said, isn't it amazing that in most of our lives, people think that we pretty much got it. Okay. Unless we are a person that is very vocal about all the trauma that's going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. Most people on the outside have no idea that we are struggling on the inside because most of us are really, really great at presenting this varnish of it's cool. I got it. It's going to be okay. And so unless you invite a lot, most of the time, unless you invite somebody in to talk, you got to invite them to the table to have a conversation. And so, um, and that's, and that's the thing is in a conversation, that's when you hear your voice. That's when you really hear your voice. That's when those themes that live inside you, that's when they come to life is when you get to talk to somebody else and they're talking back. So invite people into that conversation. Again, for me, I did it through, it's, it's come out in a variety of ways. I did it with a little survey mm-hmm. and it's great. The feedback yeah. that I'm getting is good because I'm going, oh, so I really don't stink at that. Oh, Wow. So that theme that I've never really told anybody overtly, but it is so important to me, it's actually being lived out. And then the, oh, so you know what? I still, I have some work to do and that's okay. So I can still grow. Um, but that's good. And again, those from the survey on one point and then the dialogue on the other point with folks, So I think that's just, like I said, that's what I think we all end up struggling. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we ask, this is my calling. And so we just kind of stick, right? This is my calling. So this is what I am supposed to do. And again, calling is not defined by a specific vocation. It is your vocation may change. Your circumstances will change. Mm -hmm. But those themes that live inside you. They're, they're going to grow and they're going to continue to be made manifest wherever you are. And, um, and you're going to see them evolve and grow in brand new ways. And that's what's, again, that's what happened in my life. Personally, I am not the end all be all on, um, calling or this is what you do when you think that you're muffing it up, um, or that you're not doing it well. But I will tell you that our testimony, right? Yeah. The easiest way I can tell you, and any of us can say, this is how we keep our voices strong and how we continue to use our calling and let it come out in our lives in every way, is that we watch what God does 
in us, through us, through other people around us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how our voice grows. That's how our voice remains strong. For me, that as a writer, for, for, for UK, I know you are a missionary and you're a strategist. Yeah. And you are Strategy's a big one for me. It's a huge one for you. And, and I appreciate that and admire it because we need people. And that's your voice. Your voice mm-hmm. is, no, I'm going to look here globally and we're going to break these issues down and we're going to find the appropriate solution for them. Mm-hmm. And I love that because sitting with you, then I get to, with my voice as a writer um, or somebody who takes that and moves it into story, it's like, oh, I'll take Kay's strategy and then I will paint the canvas to let somebody else who maybe their gift is the importance of wrapping around and bringing that mm-hmm. strategy to life. So yeah. we all work together. And so. I, I think that's important to realize too. And we, we, um, we chatted a little bit before we started about the isolation that a lot of creative folk tend to live in almost believing that that's a part of what makes them creative mm-hmm. when in fact it, it, I think, hinders the creativity. And yet I still fall into that same trap, you know, being an introvert is part of that for me is that I just really do want to sit in a room by myself and do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's very helpful to when you can understand that being vulnerable and reaching out to other people and, and saying, yes, look at me and yes, speak truth to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing that also really with God making sure you're doing yeah. that with God. And that idea that, and I think this has come through with, in a lot of what you've said today, is that our idea of calling, don't put that in a box. Mm-hmm. I listened to a lady uh, one time who, she called me for advice because of uh, the work that I've done in, in different places. And uh, somebody had given my name to her and she called me and she said, I want to build schools in, and she named a country and God's called me to build orphanages there. Well, I had a piece of information, which was that uh, that nation was going to start closing orphanages because Mm -hmm. of a UN report about the effects of orphanages and institutionalization on children. And, and a lot of the negative things that were happening and how um, the trend really now is to family care. And, and even in the Bible, it says the Lord sets the lonely in families, right? not in institutions, not in programs. And so I, I was wrestling with this, too, just on the whole as to how do we do this type of ministry. And, and so I knew this piece of information. I offered it to her. And she said, no, God called me to build orphanages. And I'm thinking, tell me exactly what God said to you. Yeah. Yeah. And the word that she'd gotten from God was to help these children. Now, help these children. Yeah. That can look like a lot of different things. It, it can. And I, I agree. I think so often we, because we are doing, mm-hmm. right? People, we are born, we are created to do and work and labor. That is how we are wired. We are designed in the image and likeness of a God who loves action. Right. He he was a creator. He was a designer. He spoke stars. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. And so I think just the way we're wired a lot of times, just as humans, we have a tendency to automatically assume that what we feel prompted in our hearts 
to care about, we have to immediately assign that mm-hmm. to an action or else it's not, it's not real. And so instead of saying, well, in her instance, right, God has called me in some way to care about orphans that I need to put, do good with my hands when it comes to caring for these kids who have suffered abuse, neglect, whatever, instead of saying, God, what does that look like? Because honestly, that could look like so many different things. She could, that could look like sponsorship of a child that could look like caring, becoming a foster parent in her own neighborhood. And and the neat thing about calling is, is that it should look, it should look like something that you could do whatever land you happen to be living, you know, standing on. So, so you look at that, but I think a lot of times, right. And gosh, we take these another about assessments. I remember the assessments that you take in school that say, here's the right job for you. So immediately, and I remember I took my map assessment. It said I was a creative architect and I'd be perfect as a journalist. I'd be perfect as this or perfect as that. And what was interesting is that vocationally, yes, things did start to align in that way. But if you read that, you go, these are the only, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then you start, you don't realize that those things that are inside you, that calling that's inside you, God has not assigned it to a job. He's assigned it to your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what's so much bigger. It is. It's your life calling. It's not your vocational calling. And we do that, but we let, but you know, we're, we're very good at boxing things all up, boxing ourselves up. You know, go back again to be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. If he says, go do this, then ask him, what does it look like? Yeah. What's my first step? Where do I go for information? Call, whether it's opening an orphanage or doing some other thing. If, if, if I think what I think we do sometimes is we go to the only thing we know. If you know, if God called me to do X, Y, Z, and the only thing I know about X, Y, Z is this, mm-hmm. then this is the only thing that I see as a possibility. Yeah. Rather than going to him or going to people who have similar calling and just saying, let me learn about this topic. Let me, mm-hmm. be, because if my life calling is, you know, if this is a mission from God, maybe I should know something about it. Yeah. So if I'm going to help orphans, for example, then what do they need? What will it really take to help them? And that's been part of my journey with, you know, when we started working with with children in 2006, Mm -hmm. knowing absolutely nothing and knowing only what I saw before me to do. And that's how I think we all start. Mm -hmm. And that's good. It's good to start. Like you said, stumble through it. This is what you do and make the call. Learn what you can. Don't be paralyzed for fear of not doing the right thing. Yeah. But don't go it alone. Get get people around you that are going to speak truth and get the people who know something Mm -hmm. about that area where you want to do something. Especially if you're starting from yeah. nothing and find out and listen to those voices like you're talking yeah. about, these voices that have spoken in to your book that you're working on now, right? Yeah. You've yeah. had a plan, but you've allowed what you've heard mm-hmm. and what you've encountered in that process. Yeah. You know, you already had this plan for the book, but you encountered things that have now caused you to change that. Mm-hmm. And so just being open to those things and being ready. And I know we could do an entire podcast on this one thing of, we talked about isolation, 
But this is the cautionary tale of isolation. Yeah. Is the fact that if you study and it, we are we are hurting we are hurting animals. We are. Um if you want to strip out and just get to science, we are humans mm-hmm. love herds. We are tribe we're tribal. <laughs> we we work better when we are together. But if you watch sheep, you watch antelope. I've traveled to Africa, I've been on safari. I've you watch what happens when a predator is trying to get a good meal. They are not going after the entire herd because they know that they'll never make it in that herd. What they do is they cut one out and they isolate that little that little guy because then they know they have power. And that's what happens too, I think, when we isolate. We think that isolation means that we're pretty tough. We don't see that isolation actually can be destructive, that it it sets us up for harm. Yeah. Isolation sets us up for harm. And the thing is, you can be alone and not be isolated, right? You could be an introvert in introvert away and not be isolated. Or you can be in a crowd of a million people and you be completely closed off. So that's why isolation from a cautionary standpoint is so important too. Again, in my own life, watching me activate really the calling that God has had on my life, seeing how that calling has been there since the beginning and how he's used it in a variety of different ways. Yeah. Uh, but then deciding that I've got to take that calling and somehow make it really look perfect and beautiful and shiny. And therefore I can't let anybody see when it's not going well, or if I need assistance or, or if I need prayer or whatever. Or there are seasons I just find the calling kind of boring. <laughs> you know, it's not always great adventure. Sometimes it's just downright boring. But um, if I isolate, if I decide that I don't want any other humans to feel my pain or my ennui or whatever it is, that I don't want anybody else to be bothered by these things or inconvenienced by these, these things, then God, I am setting myself up. I just have a huge target on my back at that point. Like, get me, I'm weak. I've actually made myself weak, not strong. So God says he uses the weak to confound the strong. So <laughs> there, there you, you go, go, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that. Like I said, that could be a, that's a whole other, that's a, a whole nother other. Is that an agreement to come back another time? We'll do another episode. I'd love to. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe it'll be when the book is actually great. When it's actually launched, or I'll come back and say, "Guess what? It's it's been picked up by a publisher." That'd be awesome. Uh, or forget it. We're you know, <laughs> I I'm self, I'm I'm self publishing it, and it's it, and you can meet all the women. Come with me on a mission trip, and you can meet all the women. So ah, uh, there you go. Lots of exciting things. So. <laughs> We're going to connect, folks. Don't don't forget to look in the show notes and catch all the good links and connect with Ronnie. Ronnie, I want to thank you for your time today and for coming uh, on the Your Voice podcast and for dropping those bits of wisdom. And I think you've really given, uh, you've given to all of us. I know you gave me something I can take and well, run with. I appreciate, so I appreciate you, Kay. that. I'm, I thank you for doing this for folks, including me. We all need, we all need to be reminded that our voice matters and that we are truly all in this together and that we thrive when we, when we stay together. Awesome. So until next week, I'm Kay Helm. This is the Your Voice Podcast. Find your voice. 
tell your story, change the world. Hey, it's Kay here. There's one big truth about fundraising that people do not tell you when you start out. And that is, if you struggle to tell stories, you will struggle to raise funds. But what kinds of stories do you tell? How do you tell them? Where do you find them? How do you put them together? And how do you do all that while you're running your ministry, while you're doing all the work and all the things that you have to do? It does not have to be overwhelming. This is my good news. And also, I want you to hear this. Fundraising is not just about asking for money. Raising funds for your mission does not have to feel icky. Fundraising is really about relationships. It's about sharing stories with friends. And it's about being very clear about what it takes to accomplish great things together. I created the Mission Writers course to help you tell better stories, to know what stories to tell, when to tell them, how to tell them, where to find your stories. So go over to missionwriters.org. That's missionwriters, like you're writing. Missionwriters.org has all the details on the course and on the group coaching program. So you have two options. And if you love a missionary or a nonprofit leader who needs this course, gift certificates are available. So check it out at missionwriters.org and let's make 2024 your best year ever. Ever.